Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Well, if you would, stand with me. And uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, we do a Bible confession or declaration, uh, making a declaration of what we want out of today, what we're going to get out of today. So you can just follow along, lip sync, whatever you want to do. We're good with that. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome all of you watching online. Uh, We're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. Um, This is the third weekend that we have been talking about the blessed life. Um, as I said at 9.30, there are typically, when you start talking about blessing, uh, there's a wrestling match that goes on inside our soul because we know that there are other people that we look to or look at that, that are blessed in a way that we would like to be blessed. With that comes this uh, desire to compare and to consider why somebody else might appear to be more blessed than we are. And with that comes this battle of, I'm not as good as them, or why does God love them more than me? Why are they blessed and I'm not? And we we start wrestling inside our soul. So when the word blessing or blessed comes up in, in church, there are all these emotions that come with it, and I understand that. One thing I want to explain right up front is that... Blessing and and the love of God are totally two separate things because God loves you regardless of where you are. And and God's love never changes. God doesn't love someone more than he loves you. He loves everybody exactly the same. And so this is not about, well, God must love them more than me because they appear to be more blessed than I am. That's not accurate. God loves you just as much. The challenge is that we oftentimes, when we talk about the blessed life, uh, we really don't uh, know either what it takes to be blessed or we're not willing, if we do know, to do what is required to walk in blessing. Now, we know that when, when we get saved or we choose to follow Christ, that, that the way we choose to follow Him is, the Bible says, to call on His name or confess our sins and that He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have a role to play concerning our vertical relationship with Christ, and and that is that we have to acknowledge that Jesus died for our sins, paid the price, and that we repent for those sins. In doing that, we are born again. So we obeyed the Word of God, and as a result of that act of obedience, God does what He says He will do. Well, the same is true for every other area of faith, that the Bible tells us clearly what we're to do in order to achieve certain things in our lives. People say, well, I want peace in my life. Well, the Bible says that, that if we'll keep our minds on Him, He'll keep us 
in perfect peace if our minds remain on Him. So if we want peace in our lives, it's not because all the circumstances outside us line up. It's because of what's in us that He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on Him because they trust in Him, Isaiah 26.3. So I know that if I want peace, I don't look around me to say, I sure hope everything in my life is in perfect order so that I can have peace. Many times in our lives, there are seasons where things don't seem to be in order, and we are very tempted to follow those things and, and let those things determine whether or not we have peace. And man, I just can't wait till this happens. And once my kids graduate and once this happens, and you say, I'll have peace. No, you don't have peace because of what's going on around us. We have peace because of what's going on in us. And so if we know how to achieve that, say, I'm going to keep my mind on Jesus, regardless of what's going on around me, I can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. If I want joy, I know what it takes to have joy. Now, it doesn't mean I always have joy because I don't always do what I should to have joy. Hello? When somebody pulls out in front of you, and I am convinced in Oklahoma we get our license at Walmart. Kmart shut down, so it moved over to Walmart. And, and so you, you can lose your peace and your joy all at the same time by simply driving. So that's how come when you're driving, you ought to listen to worship because in His presence is fullness of joy. And so we have to live inside his presence instead of outside and say that's where my joy comes from. You don't have joy because your world is perfect. You don't have joy because everybody likes you. You don't have joy because everything's going perfectly. You have joy because it comes from inside knowing that you're in the presence of God. And you know what? April 15th, I think about tax day. Everybody gets all flustered in April. You can have joy even though you can't pay your taxes. (laughs) Premature, huh? (laughs) Shouldn't be talking about April of next year. <laughs> but all that to say that, that people want what God has for us. The challenge isn't what we want. It's what we're willing to do to get what we want. The Bible says that if we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. What that really means is, God, I want to find delight in the things that you've called me to do. I want to find delight in everything that your word says And then the desires that you have will become my desires, and those desires will become um, into fruition because we're in agreement. You see, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes us. Many people pray, and really as we pray, we're asking God to do something outside of His will. Instead of saying, God, my prayer life is about changing me. It's not about changing you. It's about changing me. And God wants to give us good things. The Bible says he does. But we have to position ourselves for those things. And oftentimes, the hardest place to, to really, or the hardest group of people to reach, is not the lost people. Uh, most of us in here, well, all of us in here have been lost. Some of you in here may still be lost. And, uh, and so lost people to me are, are not difficult people. A matter of fact, lost people are often in search, and they will do anything to find a peace that passes all understanding, a joy unspeakable. Religious people are the hardest people to reach. Uh, religious people uh, are people that look to impress God by their performance. And then what we do is we measure everybody else by their sins and measure our lives by our intentions. Well, my intentions were good, but you're still as stupid as the person out there that you're judging. And so... 
the, the reality is that religious people, when you start talking about blessing, immediately they start trying to explain why they are where they are in life or why they aren't where they want to be in life. And, and we try to play it down by saying, well, I do all these good things, but... So then we go back to, then, if God doesn't do it for me, that means God's not a blessor. Well, let me tell you something. God's a healer whether he ever healed you or not. He, he remains the same. We can't explain God. We, we, but what we can do is be responsible for our own response to God. Whether I was ever healed or not, I still believe God was a, he is a healer and will always be a healer. Whether I ever see the blessing of God that some people would see or not, I rejoice that God blessed a friend. Some of y'all need to quit cursing blessed people and become friends with them. Who knows? It might rub off on you. But, you know, we're always looking at everybody else's life, measuring. So that's what religion does. Religion causes us to look around instead of look within. And so when you start looking inside yourself, say, God, I just want to put myself in a place and a position to experience all that you have for me, and I will be grateful for all that you do. I will be thankful where I, for where I am every day. I'll be grateful for what you've done for me and what you're doing in me. I will be thankful, God, instead of looking around and, and wondering why God may be doing something different or it appears that God is doing more for somebody else than yourself. And you got to ask a lot of questions when this happens. And, and when you start asking those questions, you'll start getting answers. But we have to posture ourselves and position ourselves in such a way that God can do what he wants to do. For instance, if I'm not happy with how I feel about somebody else, the Bible tells us to forgive and will be forgiven. Well, if I want to experience forgiveness, then I need to exercise forgiveness. You with me? So it's very important that we do our part which releases God to do his part. And God cannot do his part until we do our part because he's given us a free will. And he says, I will never invade your free will. So if you'll give me permission, I'll come in and you'll experience all the forgiveness and experience it. you will. It's not just a theory. It's, it's an actual experience that we have with God when we do what God says do. But too many people want uh, this uh, pixie dust type prayer. In other words, uh, when I start talking about the blessing of God, and it's so much more than in just finances, but let's face it, finances are a huge part of everyone's life in here. And so uh, rather than just praying a blessing on somebody, you know, I could pray for you. I could ask God, God, I want you to bless Mosaic. I want you to bless everybody financially in here. And that's just a wrong prayer because God cannot do that without our willingness to submit to him and obey him. If I pray a blessing on you, you say, well, man, pastor prayed this blessing, and after he prayed the blessing, I got a raise, I got a bonus. That typically does not happen, and if it does, I'm not sure it would be God. Because if you're not obedient to God, then I can't believe God's going to bless something that we didn't obey. And so if, if we really get down to business, what I would pray over everyone in here is, God, make us all obedient when we know what to do, then help us to do it. The Bible says to him who knows that what's to do and does not do it, to him it's sin. So if we know what to do and we don't do it, the Bible calls it sin. 
Now, it doesn't mean a sin as unto eternal damnation because you and I cannot get to heaven by works. We get to heaven by faith and grace. That's how we get there. And, and so you have to exercise faith and grace happens and God says you're coming in. But that doesn't mean that heaven comes to earth. That means you from earth get to go to heaven. So what do I do to bring heaven to earth? This is what I'm talking about when I talk about the blessed life. He said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and he tells us what to choose. The problem is sometimes it gets a little difficult. And so we have to put ourselves in a position. And sometimes that's not, that's not easy. Uh, I want to show you a video in just a moment of a woman that I have known for over 20 years, probably right around 18 to 20 years. And it was one of my first encounters as a senior pastor to have somebody come up to me. Because when you're, listen, I was a youth pastor. Teenagers didn't have a dime. You never talked about giving that much because they're like, okay, I'll give you a quarter or whatever. So I never talked about blessed life much with teenagers. I talked about how to stay pure, how to be obedient, how to be a good student. I talked about all the relevant things to their lives. Many of them didn't have jobs. They got, you know, but I did teach them to give, but it was, it was pretty easy. But when an adult comes up to you, and this is one of your first encounters as a senior pastor, and looks at you and says, you know, I'm working at a job that the boss came up to me and said, you know, you're never going to go any higher in this company. You're going to make the same wages, and you're never going to get any promotions. And, and I, I thought, first off, I had a high level of respect for this company that they would come and <laughs> tell a good employee Hey, you're stuck. You've hit the lid. You're not going any higher. And so this person comes up to me in church and says, uh, I, I need to ask you to pray with me. And she wasn't asking for blessings. She was asking for wisdom and direction. What do I do when this company tells me that uh, I'm never going to get more money than I'm getting? I'm never going to get a promotion. Well, everything in my flesh wanted to say, honey, there's somebody out there that's going to pay you more. Go find them. That was my flesh. I guess get out there and get her done. I mean, these people are idiots telling you you're not going to get any more than this. And you, I'd be like, we're moving on. But I could see in her face that she really sincerely wanted to do the will of God. That she wanted to be in the place that God wanted her. Because can I tell you something? That's the only place of God's blessing is in the place of God. And so she's asking me this, and I said, well, sure, I'll pray with you. It was very specific, and uh, I, I knew exactly how to get an agreement with her. It was simply, God, give her wisdom and direction as to what to do. Does she look for another job? Does she, what does she do? And, and so I, it was one of my first encounters with really having this kind of prayer and believing God. And she, she, it was, I don't know how long later, it wasn't long, she came up to me and she said, God spoke to me. And, and I fully expected her to say, you know what, God's directing me to go find another job, get a better job, somebody's going to employ me. But her heart was set, even, listen to this, when you don't know how to pray, but your heart is set on obeying, obeying God, and, and God will close doors that need to be closed, He'll open doors that need to be opened. You don't have to, you don't have, to have all the knowledge in the world, you just got to have God who has all the wisdom in the world. And as she began to pray, she said, God told me to stay at this company. I want you to hear this praise report because I believe it will, this testimony will touch your life. So guys, go ahead and run it if you would, please. 
Hi everyone, I am Nikita Refner and I've been at Mosaic Church since we started. 18 years ago, I used to let life interfere with my tithing. If my car broke down, I fixed my car instead of giving my tithe that week. When I heard Pastor Mark talk about tithing, I repented and made a commitment to tithe no matter what. My car broke down, I got mad and I gave $5 more. Around the same time, a superior at work told me that I should quit applying for management positions because I didn't have enough college to ever be considered for one. I was hurt and I tried to find another job, but God closed every door. I finally obeyed God and stayed in my corner cubicle. Within six months, she asked me to please take the cost accounting manager position and an $8,000 a year raise. I told everyone what God had done. 18 months later, the president of our company asked me to please take the controller position, the same position of the woman who had first told me not to apply for management. Plus, I got another $25,000 a year. I told everyone what God had done. A few months later, I heard a guest speaker at church ask, are you so happy with where God has you that you're not willing to go where he wants you? I felt convicted and I prayed, God, I really love where you have me, but if there's somewhere else you want me to go, I'm willing, send me. The very next morning, my boss called with an offer to work at our corporate headquarters in a new position that they'd created traveling to all the companies they owned all around the world. My heart's desire had always been to see the world. Now I've seen dolphins in the Pacific Ocean and tulips blooming in the Netherlands. I've sipped coffee at a cafe in Paris. I've been amazed by the Cliffs of Moor in Ireland and I've climbed the Great Wall in China and lots, lots more. In between, I've gotten more and more raises. When I got tired of traveling, I asked God to keep me in town and he answered my prayer. I now work from home and make over 100,000 more than I did in my corner cubicle. Plus, I get bonuses every year. God is so cool. I believe in tithing my money and my time as well. I feel the biggest key to unlocking the blessings of heaven is obedience. If God tells me to give someone $100 or $1,000, I do it. He has blessed me so that I can be a blessing to others. I worked 25 years in cubicles before my blessing started. I'm still the same person I was in that corner cubicle. I'm not perfect, I'm just obedient. God is the difference. And Nikita is not interested in dating. Uh, so any of you that are looking to be blessed, uh, go to God. Uh, you know, it's, it's always funny to me how we really try to find different ways uh, to experience the blessings of God. And, and oftentimes it seems to be easier to find someone who's already blessed and just connect. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, you know, in, in our world, in, in the non-denominational world, you know, uh, we're taught to uh, believe God, confess the Word of God, and all those things are wonderful, but sometimes we're declaring and confessing to the wrong entity or the wrong person. And um, years ago, I had the privilege of, of kind of uh, just being a little mentored by uh, Brother Osteen, Joel's daddy, and known the Osteens a long, long time, and have known Joel since before he was Joel. And uh, his daddy would call, and he called me one time, and he just to spend some time, which was shocking to me, but just to mentor me. And, and he called me, and he would tell me all these things and just go on and on and on. And one time he told me, he said, son, he said, uh, you know, because this charismatic world is a little different world, you know, and sometimes people come up and say, God told me, God said. And, and this uh, gentleman in the church had come up to him and said, you know, Brother Osteen, uh, God uh, 
God spoke to me today, and he said, really, what did he say? He said, well, he said that, you know, to tell you to, that you're to give me your car. <laughs> this is leeching, not blessing, okay? So, and so Brother Osteen, Brother Osteen looked at him and, and just said, you know, Brother Osteen was about as big as Joel. You know, they, they didn't get the height, Gene. Uh, Joel looks a lot bigger on screen than he is in real life, you know. I mean, he's pushing 5'8 on a good day. And so... Uh, but he's a big spiritual giant, and I love Joel to death. He's a wonderful guy. Everything I'm just telling you, I listen to him all the time. But Brother Osteen looked at this man, and he said, Son, he said, let me just tell you something. When God speaks to me, you can have my car. Yeah. And so uh, all that to say, there is no shortcut to blessing. Uh, God, If God had uh, blessed this man, he still wouldn't have gotten it because the reality is, that we trust the Lord. We don't trust someone else. We position ourselves for the blessing of God to happen in our lives. And there is no shortcut to blessing. As a matter of fact, if some people receive something from the Lord that was really wonderful, but they didn't know it was from the Lord or how if it wasn't from the Lord, they wouldn't know how to, if it was, they wouldn't know how to treat it. And so the blessing of God is, is very important that we understand when we get blessed that what God has blessed us with really isn't ours. It's just on loan from God. That's how can be told Abraham, I will bless you to be a blessing. In other words, we don't get blessed to brag. We get blessed to be a blessing. And so when, as long as God can get it through us, God will always get it to us. But if God, God can't get it through us, uh, then he can't get it to us because we're blessed to be a blessing. So the blessed life is not a boastful life. It's a life that takes great responsibility and takes it seriously. I've only known one church to say this, and I won't tell you who it, what church it is, and you may not have heard of them. It's not an Oklahoma church. But a friend of mine attends this church, and it's a, it's a pretty massive church. And uh, he is a, he's a Harvard graduate, master degree, very intelligent. He asks some of the best questions. And so he asked this pastor one time, he said, you know, pastor, what is the most difficult task that uh, you have as a church because you're a huge church and in his mind he's thinking to himself oh you know they probably have a difficult time counseling people or finding out who they're going to reach and the homeless and all this all these different things are going through his mind the pastor looked back at him and he said this he said the most difficult task we have is knowing how we have a lot of money as a matter of fact we have more money than we know what to do with and it's I know, I laughed too. I, I went, yeah, right. But I know this guy, and it's true. We take it very seriously about how we bless people with this money. Because if you bless someone who doesn't understand blessing, it's very difficult for them to handle that which they've been blessed with. So when God blesses you, ask yourself the question, what would I do with anything that God blessed me with. So if you got blessed, would you be thinking how then you could be a blessing to someone else with that which you've been blessed with? Amen. Very, very important. So we have a role to play in the blessing of God. And it has nothing to do, listen to this, it has nothing to do with the love of God. The love of God, He is love. God is love. And so people can never measure the blessing of God by the love of God because God loves everybody. We measure it by our willingness to obey God with that which we get. And we must always surrender things to Him. You know, a year, just over a year ago, my home was broken into. And I had a fabulous, past tense, watch collection that I had been blessed with. 
Uh, there was a wonderful watch. Ten pastors bought me on my 50th birthday. Meant the world to me. Uh, and then there were other watches that had been given to me. You know, it's just one of those things you, you like. And, and, uh, and they stole all of my watches. All of them. I guess God didn't think I needed to keep track of time. And, and I wrestled with it for the longest time. And I felt like God said, Mark, if you'd have needed them, I'd have left them there. And I thought, I'm still a blessed guy. You could say, well, something was stolen. You know, I just, I learned a lot through that loss. I realized there are things in my life I didn't need and that I'm still blessed and that I still counted myself as blessed. Sometimes we connect the blessing to an object when in reality we can't because the blessing is a person and he's God. And so that just got my attention again. Say, Mark, that's not the reason you're blessed. That stuff is just stuff. And, and that, you know, and I, I just prayed a blessing on whoever got them. I hope they're enjoying it. I really do. And I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some kind of little burn mark under every one of those watches. <laughs> reminding them that they stole from a child of God. So I just released them. I just called them blessed. But we all have a free will. And God will use our free will to do His will. But God, if I pray blessing on you but you're not obedient to God, then I'm really praying, praying against the Word of God. And so we have to realize we have a role to play. And that if you turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and uh, there are things that the thief comes, the Bible says, steal, kill, and destroy. See, he will try to steal what God wants to do. Now, um, I, you guys know I, I, I am a car guy, and, and I was a watch guy. I'm not a watch guy anymore. <laughs> Very too easy to steal, so I just stayed with cars. And so... Um, when Susan and I got married, she, she had a ranch in northeast Oklahoma, and, and uh, she had horses and chickens. I mean, I, I don't know what happened. We grew up in the same place and, and, and grew up together in our lives, and, and uh, I knew she loved me when she said she'd sell her horses. <laughs> that was it, baby. I went, oh, this woman really loves me. And then I wasn't too worried chickens, you know, they ain't nothing, but the horses, that's a different story. And so she had this three-quarter ton truck, which is beautiful, and, but she needed to pull the trailer. She don't need a, you don't need a three-quarter ton truck in Oklahoma City unless you're just insecure. <laughs> or you run a business that needs one. You know what I'm saying. But if you're driving a three-quarter ton, you see these guys driving around town, they, they, they wouldn't know a horse from a cow. Driving an all jacked up truck, you know, and all that stuff. They just jacked up, insecure. Anyway, so anyway, so she got this three quarter ton truck, so we needed to sell it because we don't need to pull a trailer anymore. And and so horses are gone, chickens are gone. Uh, this this is kind of like was it Zha Zha back at Green Acres? <laughs> Only I was Zha Zha. <laughs> You'll never hear that again. And so we put her truck up for sale we, uh, up on the corner of, of Portland and, and, uh, and um, 178. That's where I, I've sold and bought a lot of cars from there. So we put it out there. And she had tells, asked me the other day, she said, we'd been up there for a couple of weeks I, or a week or two. We hadn't gotten a call. She said, well, have you gotten a call on the truck? I said, no, I haven't. She said, well, let's go check. And we go over there, and guess what? There's no sign in the truck. It had fallen down. Ain't nobody could call on that truck if they wanted to. It's just sitting there. 
And, and, and so you could pray all you want. <laughs> God, sell this truck. Ain't nobody knows how to get a hold of anybody who can sell a truck. So our prayer should have been, God, let somebody steal the truck because they came by it. So we had to go, and this morning on the way, we went and, and taped it back up. I, I put super glue, <laughs> duct tape. I put everything. That sign ain't coming down for a month after somebody buys it. But we had to do what we needed to do for that truck. to sell. I could have prayed all day long, God, sell that truck. But until it was known for sale and how somebody get a hold of us and what they needed to do, it wasn't going to sell. Until you obey God and say, God, I am declaring and I am praying boldly. The reason we don't pray bold prayers is we're not living bold lives. We're not obeying God. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, this little bitty verse, I mean, it's about the chronology or the clans of Judah. It's amazing. It's talking about all these descendants. And all of a sudden, verse 9, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, can you imagine his brothers reading this? But God's saying, I want you to know why Jabez is getting ready to get what he's getting ready to get because he's honorable. What's honorable? When you obey the Lord, that's an honorable act. When you forgive, it's honorable. All these things are honorable. But we must do the honorable things to experience what God has for us. And that means we must obey. And it says this. It says, His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. His name in Hebrew means sorrow. Now, here's a guy who's got to overcome. His mother gives birth and pains in the Bible. Why would this be in there? And his name means sorrow. You can make up all the excuses you want to make up as to why you're not blessed. But Jabez said, I'm not going to let what my name means or the fact that I am considered a pain stop me from asking God for incredible things. But if we're going to ask boldly, we must live boldly. And he goes on to say, uh, Jabez cried out. To the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. That's a big request. That it's a big prayer. But a lot of people, look, it's preceded by he was more honorable. Had that prayer been prayed without the very first verse in verse 9, I would question God. But God's saying, I want you to know the first thing that gave Jabez the passion and the confidence to pray that prayer was the fact that he was honorable. Doesn't say he was perfect like Nikita said. It wasn't because I was perfect. It's just because I obeyed the Lord. And so this indicates to me that the reason Jabez could pray this prayer because he had been honorable before God. Now, I don't know how many of you would say, man, I need something in my life. I would say probably most of us would say, yes, we do. And, you know, you'd look around and you'd say, well, they don't need anything. Well, you don't know what God's entrusted to them. When God says you've been faithful over little, I'll make you ruler over much. You've got to be faithful over the little. If you can't be faithful over the little things, you'll never rule over much. And so God wants us to be able to handle a lot. That's how come Jabez had this big prayer in him. God bless me and enlarge my territory. If you prayed that prayer, what would you do with the answer to that prayer? Do you even have a plan? 
If God says, okay, I'm going to bless you, have you asked yourself the question, what will I do with the blessing that God blesses me with? Because that's what he told Abraham. I'll bless you to be a blessing. What are you going to do with that blessing? In this case of the church, what are you going to do with the money that God's blessed you with? First church I've ever heard say, we just don't know where to give all of our money away. We have $82 million, and we don't know what to do with it. How many of you would like to have that problem? And some of you say, yes, I would, and I promise you, it'd be as big a problem to you as the lack that you might now possess. Why? Because it all requires us to hear the voice of God and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And obedience is not always that easy, especially when you say, I've got a lot. Let me tell you something. Managing 10% of $5 is a lot different than managing 10% of $50 million. You think the guy with $5 got a problem? Nah, 50 cent ain't nothing. But when you start talking about doing the math on giving 10% of 50 million, you got to get your big boy and big girl stuff on. Because that is a task. Because God then calls upon you and says, you know what? You haven't been doing it. And you can say, but, but God, that's a lot. And you know, I'm doing this for so-and-so and I'm doing that for so-and-so. It says you bring the tithe into the storehouse, not the outhouse. Now I'm meddling, and I get it. Part of it's a Red Bull. And can I just tell you all something? Don't nobody ever come up with me and tell me to drink some other energy drink than this. I know your intentions are good, and you tell me I'm going to die. You know what? If I die because of this, I'll be smiling all the way to heaven. And I'm going to die sometime anyway. I'm just going to die happy. Y'all can die with whatever you want, drinking your purified water. On Sunday, I drink Red Bull. Okay, I always got people coming up telling me what this does to you. And you know what? If I die and you're right, you're not going to be happy because you can't prove anything to me anyway. I'm dead. So there you have it. I told him, who cares? I'm with Jesus. And I can promise you, my fridge in heaven's already full of Red Bull. As you go eat your fried chicken, that's worse than Red Bull. You eat your preservatives, it's worse than Red Bull. At least I get a buzz out of that. You ain't getting nothing but high cholesterol. Okay. No. My Red Bull, get your own. Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. If you're going to pray bold prayers, you must be willing to obey God. There is no quick pathway to blessing. There is no quick way. And if you won the lottery it would jack your life up. This new lottery thing, one point, what is it now? I knew a bunch of you know. That was a setup right there. Now, I know what you're thinking. God, if I win it, I'll tithe. If you're not tithing right now, I promise you, you will not tithe off of $1.7 billion. You'll be like rationalizing and reasoning and thinking, I'm just going, I got to hang on to this. 
has like, when they asked Shaquille O'Neal why he got a degree, he said, I, I got to have something to fall back on. I think, bro, if you got to fall back on something after what you made, you ain't going to do good with a degree. <laughs> and I like Shaq. I know Shaq. And so I kind of laughed when he said that. I'm like, well, Shaq, I think you got more trouble if, if that degree ain't going to save you if you can't manage what you've got. And so the reality is, listen, we think we would do all the right things, but if we're not doing the right things now, what makes us think we'd do the right thing if God allowed blessing to come our way without going through it the proper way? God wants you to be blessed. I would above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, God said. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no sorrow to it. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. That's God's plan. And people say, why am I not blessed? Well, I can only ask you, are you doing what God's told you to do in his word? You can get mad at me all you want, and you can talk about preachers talking about this all you want. But the reality is, you have to look in the mirror and go, I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at me. Because I'm not doing what God told me to do. That's what we have to do, church. This is about God getting the first of everything that we have. The first of everything. As Nikita said, there were times that she didn't have the money and she got a revelation. She said, then I would even give more. I would even give more. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. You're right, it doesn't. But how many of you know his ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They don't always make sense. And that's how come the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will make it straight. The problem is that we try to rationalize with the almighty God. And we try to get in and say, God, but you don't understand. God does understand. And he said, the problem is you're leaning to your understanding saying this makes no sense. And let me tell you something. It makes no sense to most people in the world that we would be saying give 10%. That's what the Bible says do. And then he says give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. God said, I've got this system set up for you. But you've got to trust me. And for some of you, I, I tell people, I say it was real easy for me when I got born again. The easiest thing for me to do was give. The hardest thing for me to do was get over myself from getting mad. I had a lot of other issues. Giving was not one of them. I'm still working on those issues. <laughs> Giving's not one of them. And, and I, I tell you, because of that, I had somebody tell me the other day, I don't know if they were happy about it or not. They said, well, you always land on your feet. Meow. You know why I do? Because I serve the God of heaven and earth. It's that simple. It's not Mark Crow. It's him. And that I trust him because he has proven to be trustworthy. So today, I would encourage you, trust him. It's always funny to me how we can trust God with our salvation, our eternity, and our soul. But we have trouble trusting him with a dollar, a ten, or a hundred. If the God who has promised me streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of gem, a house made by him, forgiveness in his presence forever, shouldn't I be able to trust him with a little bit of currency on earth? Man, if you have faith in God to go to heaven, you should be having no problem at all trusting him with a ten. 
Well, some of you wanted to get happy about that, but it might require commitment and follow through. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm really tired today. Um, but I want you to be assured that sometimes between your act of obedience and God's abundance, there is a bigger window for some than others. That's that window of trust that says, how long will you do what God says until God does what he said he will do? And you know what? Eventually it won't matter to you because the thrill of obeying him will be greater than the reward you get as a result of it. Simply obeying God is the greatest joy of all. It's the greatest joy of all. It's the greatest peace that you and I will ever experience is to say, I simply obeyed God. And the rest is up to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your willingness, Jesus, to obey your Father and die on the cross for us. Now, Lord, I pray that we will be an obedient church, an obedient people. And that, Lord, we would do what we know to do, what your word says. With every head bowed, every eye closed, the most important decision you and I will ever make is a decision to trust God with our soul, with our sin, with our eternity. And I want to challenge us today. If you're not born again, you've not chosen to follow Christ, that today you would make that decision because that's the most important decision you and I will ever make. And so there are those of you here and those of you watching online that have yet to make that decision. And I want to encourage you today to become a follower of Christ. That's where it all begins. He will change your life from the inside out. He will open your eyes to things that you couldn't see before. Experiences that you've longed for that you didn't know how to experience. And it all begins by putting faith in the risen Son of God. And so we're going to pray a prayer, and I want those of you online to pray with us, and those of you here, I want you to pray this like it's you being born again, because there are people in this room today that need our encouragement to stand with them as we pray this prayer. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of your only Son, Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, every sin I've ever committed. That name is above every sin. So Jesus, today, I repent of my sin and I put my faith in you. I call on your name. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen.